Hey guys, and welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. Today we're talking with Caroline Dooner. Caroline is the creator of the Effit Diet, the spiritual anti-diet and normal eating mentor, as well as a writer performer. She really wants women to start taking up space, using their voices, and being body rebels. She loves all things mystical, spiritual, and creative, and she lives in New York City. Caroline also has a free 10-day course going on, which you will hear all about in today's episode, um, called Stop Being Afraid of Food, and you can check that out on the show notes for this episode, mattymoon.com slash mbm78. Just a little heads up, uh, Caroline's website called The F-It Diet. It's not really The F-It Diet. I'm sure you can assume what the name is. Um, and that word is thrown around a couple times. So if you have small ones around, I suggest putting on headphones or listening to this one in the car when you're by yourself or, you know, whatever you you prefer. I just want you to know, I think it's said like twice. So um, that's the heads up. And this is really such an amazing episode. So I hope all y'all listen to it. It it was mind-blowing to me. I had such a great time listening to her. She has probably the best radio voice I've ever heard. And she's just a really funny, open, vulnerable person. And you gotta check her out. You really gotta check her out. Uh, so the review for today, the review of the week comes from, I think it's Nicole, yeah, 022, and she says, my fave with five stars. Manny Moon is so authentic and I love all her guests. My fave, especially Isabel Fox and Duke. I look forward to her podcast every week and cannot wait to hear what else she has to share. Thank you so much, Nicole. That That's awesome. That means so much to me. If you love Isabel Fox and Duke, I'm sure you'll love this episode too. So that's all I have really to say today. Uh, Don't forget that if you want to be a patron of the show, it's a great way to contribute to me making these podcast episodes weekly. And the minimum, I mean, just a dollar per episode would mean so much to me. So if you're really enjoying this content and you're getting a lot out of it and it's helping you and it's it's basically like a coach for you, it would make my day if you could just donate $1 per episode or whatever floats your boat, whatever works best for you. And you can check that out at maddiemoon.com slash pledge or just go to the show notes for this, which you can find at maddiemoon.com slash mbm78. All right, let's head on over. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. The show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to the show, everybody. I am here with Caroline Dooner of the Effit Diet, though it's not the Effit Diet. I am sure you can guess what word we use, but (laughs) for the sake of my show and the listeners listening, I'm not going to be throwing around that word, even though I think it's a very clever, clever title. So how are you today, Caroline? 
I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No, this is awesome. Like I've been wanting, I feel like we've been going back and forth about getting you on my show for a while. So I'm delighted it's finally happening. Me too. It's awesome. And I've been just loving reading all of your stuff. And I feel like we have such an overlap in, in our part of our journeys and and just our message and what we came to and what we realized like our, our epiphanies essentially are yes yes exactly and I want everyone to I really want everyone to check you out after this so guys definitely check out her website but also check out what she does besides that because I have never met someone in this world of body image uh disordered eating um you know social social entrepreneurship I, I guess I could say that mm-hmm. also does comedy and acting and singing. Like you're so talented. And <laughs> I'm so curious. How did that come to be? Where did you get oh, started with all of that? Well, that was the first thing I did. And arguably that was part of my body image issue. You know, that was like part of the reason why I thought it was so important to be skinny. Mm. And I, I just, I was like in professional theater as a teenager in, in Philadelphia is where I'm from. And I was, it was like a blessing and a curse. Cause I was just kind of like naturally really good at it. I did musical theater and singing and, um, I just, it started me on believing that it was very important for me to be skinny and to watch my weight. And then I went to school for it. I went to NYU for musical theater and, um, and then I graduated and was just miserable. I mean, we'll get into the story, I'm sure, but this is like the timeline of me being in New York, kind of like being in the perfect place to do this thing that I partially was born to do and just not being able to do it because of food and body stuff, just being so in my head, having that be the thing that I was focusing on. And it just kind of hijacked my whole life and my whole brain. And um, actually when I had my moment when I was like, oh my God, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot try to control my weight anymore. I mean, it had been years and years and years. And I finally, after many cycles of trying to intuitive eat and doing it really obsessively, I was like, okay, I I just have to stop trying to control my weight. I just need to let myself gain weight and I'm going to quit theater. I'm going to quit forever because it's making me miserable and it's too connected to weight and looks and food for me. And there's just no way for me to recover without leaving. And, um, then, you know, over the next, and then I started the fuck it diet and I was doing all this work on creativity, which is interesting because it was when I was leaving theater, but all of my like exercises and writing exercises that I would do was like, you need to go on a break. Like you need to quit. You need to just focus on you and your like emotional, spiritual health. And then maybe like a year later, I guess I had all these like realizations about like the acting industry and how it makes no sense that, that you have to be skinny because we're trying to portray humans and it's just perpetuating the issue. And I got really angry and I was like, ah, this is my mission now, but I'm going to just be an advocate for actors. I'm going to, you know, I'll be an activist and advocate and a writer about how actors shouldn't worry about their weight, but I'm not going to do that because that's too hard and stressful. (laughs) And then, of course, it wasn't long after that that I was like, oh, all right, I guess it makes way more sense if I do it myself, if I actually have to walk my talk. Mm -hmm. 
performing wise. So I slowly started writing my own stuff and I started, um, I was still doing musical theater. I, I work a lot in Philadelphia, actually, even though I, I live in New York, I kind of live in New York and in Philadelphia because of that. Um, but I started writing my own stuff and I started doing a lot more improv and I started doing a lot more comedy because it felt like a nice bridge back into the performing world in this kind of a little bit more irreverent and um, powerful way coming from my body image journey. So now I I write comedy songs and I do comedy shows that I write. It's like kind of like a stand-up, musical stand-up show. And I'm still acting, but it's in kind of different capacities. Like I still do musical theater, but I've kind of had this 180 in my relationship to it and my views on needing to fit into the little box. Uh, you know, the type type is a big thing and it's kind of this like sick thing where it's like you're either sweet and skinny and sound like this or you're funny and brassy and you can maybe be big then or um you know it's just like it's so it, it just leads directly to disordered thinking about food and weight and I know a million I mean I know you're from the fitness industry and and that's you know, kind of like your reference word and you know a million people who are doing that and disordered and might never even know that they are because it feels like it's just part of how it has to be. But that's how act so many actors are too. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is just the way it has to be. Mm-hmm. And, this is go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's, that's, that was it. <laughs> is there like a lot of camaraderie around it? Like if you don't take part in that conversation, then you're kind of like the stranger. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually, well, I, I feel like I have started to need to gravitate towards people who kind of get where I'm coming from. And there aren't very many of them, honestly. But yeah, like the amount of actors in New York who are also fitness instructors or who are also inviting me to do their beach body challenges or what I don't even really know because I don't really look I just go x mm-hmm. but or you know people who talk all the time about oh well I gained weight but but I'm you know I'm I'm going to eat well today and it's like I've tried to talk to some of these people um, who actually really just are acquaintances because the people that I'm very close to are the people who do get it that's just sort of been the way that it's slowly become. Um, and they just don't get it. And so it does, like, there is a, a, you know, there's only so much we can relate because it's such a big part of my life now not doing that. And it's such a big part of their life doing that and thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Right. What what about your relationship with your family? Like when you were younger or when you were starting out with acting and, and the pressure started coming on, what, like, did they know? Did they see that kind of pressure and yeah. let it go go on? Or, or cause I know whenever I was younger, I really wanted to model cause I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. models, they get so much attention. Like what a life, like a reason to be skinny, to make myself right. be skinny. And my mom would never take that idea seriously she'd always discourage it I see why now 
Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, you're a party pooper, you know, right. and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll, I won't let my child do that because of those pressures. But I mm-hmm. couldn't see that at times. So did your, were your, was your family aware about these, these things? Honestly, uh, my mom totally didn't see any, in fact, they, they are both my, both my parents are kind of a little disordered about food and weight themselves, but I was a really, really tiny child, um, with, who had a, uh, an eating disorder. Like I was obsessed with food. Um, as a child, I would binge on food all of the time. I was a stick and I only was binging on food because I felt denied junk food. <laughs> so you were raised like with really healthy food. Yes, I was raised with really healthy food. And it's just so funny. I mean, we'll probably talk about this later too, but the idea of mental restriction and how much it really does affect your eating and your metabolism as well is just, it's so fascinating to look back at a time when weight wasn't even a thought in my mind. Diets were not, like I was not putting myself on a diet and I was not denied actual food or calories. I just felt extremely denied. And whenever I did get junk, it was like there was little judgmental energy around it. And therefore, I was obsessed. Like I didn't have any normalcy around food ever until I, you know, did my own version of recovery four years ago. I I didn't like hunger, fullness. I didn't even, that's just not how I operated. It was like all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if anyone's listening who feels like they are people who are just food addicts and there's really no way to relearn how to eat, I promise you, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, and that's what I tell people because it's so true. I mean, I, I didn't, I did not know how to eat normally. I didn't even know it as a concept for a while. Um, and then... I just started, I mean, I, I was a, I was obsessed with food until I was 14 when I started gaining weight during puberty and then it became all about dieting and then that started that cycle that didn't end for another 10 years. Um, but with theater, to answer your actual question, my mom was very, very concerned that I was gaining weight and that I shouldn't go into acting. <laughs> because you were gaining weight. Is that why? Yeah. yeah. And I also, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 14, um, which was another reason. I don't know if you know what that is. but Oh, it's, yeah. I'm very it, familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and basically, so it was theater plus this, like, the doctor said to me, like, so just don't eat too many carbs and don't eat too much fat and don't gain any weight and we'll put you on the pill and you're good to go. And because I was, like, you know, if we're going to talk about like relative weight or body frame, I was very normal. I mean, I was very, I was curvy at 14 and it happened really fast and I was a binge eater, but, um, I was not, um, large by any means, but because I was so tiny before, like truly a little string bean, my mom was really worried. Like it really freaked her out, which was not, healthy for me to like see that she was really nervous about my weight. So then she started researching PCOS and all the scary, you know, like symptoms that can come along with it. And she and I started dieting together and it was very important to her. I was just sort of like overwhelmed and stressed and didn't really know what to do or how to think about it. But it started this like 
super scary cycle of me thinking that being thin was like the most important responsible thing that I could do like on every end, you know, for my career that I, you know, I have a sweet voice. Like I have to look sweet too, or else I'm wasting like money going to college for musical theater. Um, and also my health, like I am a glutton. That's why this is happening. It's because I'm addicted to food. I need to go on a diet that'll heal my addiction to food, which is the most hilarious thing that, you know, that's, that's what I believed that those extreme diets would do. I was like, this is going to heal my cravings. I'm going to become normal with food by cutting out every bad food that causes cravings, quote unquote, um, which is truly the opposite of what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I bet like part of you also started to associate dieting <clears throat> with getting your mom's approval. Oh, Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I remember I was doing this crazy, it was called the insulin resistance diet. And, you know, they say that PCOS is caused by insulin resistance. Now, of course, I am not a doctor and I don't think the doctors have the full scope of PCOS. I really don't. I think it's more um, environmental and stress related than anything else. But um, I, I believe from everything that I've experienced personally and read about it, that insulin resistance is just another symptom and, and they are blaming it on that. So then it becomes all about food and all about watching your carbs. And, um, I remember I did this insulin resistance diet, which was very controlled and it was all about very, very, very specific macros. I mean, that was the only time that I was extremely, um, obsessive about, pairing boots together and um it was just really controlled and I was running at the same time too and I really lost a lot of weight this is my senior year of high school and I was very obsessed with it but I got all of this praise from my parents like my dad who's obsessed with exercise he like I was like running on the treadmill and he like proudly told like my my aunt and uncle at Christmas dinner that I like my weight, like how low it was and like how much I was running. Um, and it was weird. Even in that moment, I was like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like not yeah. normal. Um, and my mom, she like, thought we both loved chocolate chips at the time. Um, but you know, they had sugar in it and I was being so controlled with my food and losing so much weight. And she actually even said to me, like, you don't need to lose any more weight now. Like you're, 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 you're good. And I was like, no, I'm not. Can you see my stomach? And she was like, that's what a stomach looks like. Like that's normal. I was like, no, it's not. Like that was clearly looking back. Like that was the beginning or a deeper, you know, continuation of severe mm-hmm. body dysmorphic disorder. Um, and, but my mom bought me a my own package of chocolate chips um, and put it on my little place at our counter where we ate. Um, And it was just weird. Like, I was so happy. I was like, she approves. She thinks I can eat chocolate chips now. Like, I've done such a good job. She's Because she was so, like, restrictive with food my whole childhood. And then when we were going on these diets together and I would, like, secretly go off of them and binge and um, she, I would gain weight back and she would get so worried that like what they said about PCOS was happening and that my body was like spiraling out of control and I was gaining weight without doing anything. The less I ate, the more I gained weight. Um, and I was like, no, I, I'm just don't 
eat around you. <laughs> but anyway, it was super messed up. Like it was truly, truly messed up. And she had no idea that I had an eating disorder. She just didn't know. Like she just didn't know enough about it. She was kind of stressy and obsessed with her eating and it hadn't disrupted her life too much. Um, she to this day is sort of a little weird about it. And, um, she's learned a lot from me. Um, but, and my journey, but she's still, she's never going to totally, totally come on board because her, you know, sort of obsession with purity of foods somehow just, she, she didn't hit the rock bottom that I did. And I think I always was, I did take it to the extreme. I always did. And she is able to kind of like eat pie and cupcakes and complain about it, but then like move on with her life. Mm-hmm. So it was super messed up. Like it really was. And then I read this article when I was 18 about um, Catherine McPhee, who was on American Idol. Yeah. I didn't watch that um, that season, but I read this article in a magazine about how she had bulimia which I never had, um, but how she, you know, went to this eating disorder treatment place and and that she really um, stands by the book Intuitive Eating, which I'd never heard of before. But I got it and I immediately realized that they were describing me. Like I was totally obsessed and I didn't realize that it was a problem until that moment. And the idea that I could eat whatever I wanted and become normal with food because I knew like deep down I was like if I could just become normal with food like everything would be fine I at that point I thought that health was all weight right so I was like I'm not like gaining weight at a rapid pace like they say you do with this hormonal disorder that I have like I know that I eat more than almost anyone I know and I'm still like kind of a normal weight even though I wished wished at the time that I was skinnier um so I just kind of knew that like if I could eat normally that everything would be fine but of course I didn't know how to do that and I still really did want to be thin like that was still what what it was all about um but I read intuitive eating and I was so excited and I was like oh my god I'm gonna do this it's gonna be amazing and I sat my mom down because she was really always concerned with me eating quote-unquote bad foods um because of this quote-unquote eating addiction that I had and my hormonal stuff and my career path Um, And I said, hey, mom, I know that this is going to be confusing to you, but I just read this book called Intuitive Eating, and I I think I actually have a problem, and I think I really need to try to, you know, change this, and I'm going to be eating some foods that, you know, are supposed to be bad, but I think think it's really going to help me. And she was like, you know what, great, you just do whatever you need to do. Do do whatever you need to do. Um, I'm, however, going to be eating a little bit more strictly, um, because I have cancer. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, it was the the moment that I was, like, coming out as someone with, with having eating disorder. She was like, well, I guess this is the time that I should tell you that I've been diagnosed with cancer and I'm going to try to heal it through a raw vegan diet. And I was like, what? That's, like, that's crazy. And she, so she'd been diagnosed for maybe like a month and she hadn't told me because I was in this like show, this professional show and she didn't want to stress me out, which is crazy too. Um, But it was the summer before college and she was like, well, I'm going to become, you know, a a vegan to try and heal it. She thought she was going to do a complete like alternative healing and not do chemo. And my dad was like, nope, (laughs) 
you you need to do chemo. So she tried to do both, actually, which was the worst thing she could have possibly done because for a while during chemo, she didn't have enough uh, protein and her nerves were not protected and she had like severe nerve damage in her hands and feet and they told her that she was never going to walk again. And she was like, nope, I am. And, you know, she was able to afford all of these alternative therapies and thank God and she's fine now. But like, word to the wise, don't do raw veganism and chemotherapy. Um, but anyway, I became a raw vegan immediately. Like I had maybe three days of being like, I think I have a problem. Um, and then I was like, nope, I'm going to heal myself and then all my problems through raw veganism. And I did that for a year. And then I um, did some very obsessive versions of intuitive eating. French women don't get fat. I was like just really obsessed with trying to eat to hunger. And it was like all I thought about. And I didn't feel very, like, I felt really good at it sometimes. And then I was like, why am I always hungry? What is wrong with me? Um, and, you know, flash forward, it's because I was not eating enough food and my metabolism had been suppressed for years. And I just wasn't, you know, allowing it to do its thing and actually heal. I was still trying to control things. But then, but I kind of knew that I was obsessive about food, and I, but I thought that, like, being like a French woman would heal, like was the answer <laughs> like that for a couple of years. I was like, this is great. And I, like, I was controlling my weight, but I was obsessed and I thought about it all the time. And I was hungry all the time. I would like finish a meal and be like, I'm full. And then like 45 minutes later, I'd be starving and it just didn't feel normal. It felt crazy. And I thought about it all the time. And I still, you know, had, pretty whacked out hormones, which was always the other thing that I was trying to heal. And it turns out when I did like lose weight, even from where I was, it didn't heal anything. And it was not the cure-all that it promised to be. In fact, I would argue that it actually made things worse. Um, so that's interesting also to note looking back. Um, and then I did paleo. And I was like, I know I can get obsessed with food, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to casually do paleo. <laughs> and after like a day, I was truly obsessed. And because I was, it was all about like, well, I'm going to try this out to see if this heals me, you know, so I need to really do it. Um, and then I, and actually, if I look back, my digestion was so bad on paleo. It had never been bad before, but I couldn't digest anything. Um, it was crazy. And of course, I wrote it off as being like some sort of bad bacteria mm -hmm. gut detox. Like leaky like, gut. <laughs> well, yeah, either that or – well, because then I did the GAPS diet. That's, that's what led me to do the GAPS diet. I was like, well, clearly I have this overgrowth of bad bacteria that's dying off now that I'm eating so perfectly. And – so then I just tried to perfect it more and more and more to like expedite this process that I don't even think that's what was happening. Um, and then I did GAPS, which if you don't know what that is, it's this like really extreme version, paleo-ish thing where it's all about trying to heal your gut um, and you mostly only eat soup for a while and it's very heavy on bone broth. And and I really think that, you know, there's, there's something to, you know, this kind of like 
a, a way of eating that we have gotten away from. I think that it's healthy. I still think it's healthy, but I don't think that cutting out of foods is healthy. Um, but yeah, I was super obsessed and I was, then I started binging and I was, and I was binging on all of these like paleo treats that you're not really supposed to have. And I was like making paleo ginger snaps and binging on them being like, no, there's honey in this. It's terrible. Um, and I was just so frustrated that all of my attempts to heal my food addiction through these diets just didn't work. They never worked. And I think um, it was some paleo guru who I was listening to their podcast. And he was like, well, you know, when you cut out carbs, you become more insulin resistant, actually. Um, but it's okay because you're not eating carbs. And I was like, what? That's literally the opposite of what I've been trying to do for 10 years. The whole idea is if you have insulin resistance, you're trying to make yourself more insulin sensitive. Um, so your body can utilize sugar better and not have, you know, sugar running through your bloodstream. Um, and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing that this low carb, you know, mission of mine, except when I was raw vegan, that was a whole other thing. Um, just was maybe making things worse or like everything I believed. So that was kind of like a paradigm shifting moment for me. And it really was only like two months later that I, I decided that my obsession with weight was ruining my life and that I didn't want to, I, I would rather gain weight and live my life at a higher weight, whatever that meant, than keep doing what I was doing. It just kind of became really clear. And I was starting to read Matt Stone and I was starting to read these people who were saying like, I screwed up my hormones by doing low carb. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm trying to heal my hormones by doing low carb. What are you telling me? And so I started reading more about metabolism and it just kind of all came to a head and I, 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 had this huge, you know, moment. It was really a moment and, and it happened on my 24th birthday. And I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. I can't do it. Um, and I decided to learn to eat normally, which I'd done so many times in my sort of like obsessive way. But um, I decided to learn to eat normally and to let myself gain weight for real and and really and, and quit theater. Like all in one moment, I was like, this is what I have to do. Um, and... It was huge. And it really, I, I mean, I just had this strong intuitive sense that this was the only thing that I could do. Um, and that really helped. It really pulled me along. I just, I knew that there was no other way because I tried everything else, you know? Um, Can you tell us about that process? What did it look like for you to learn how to eat normally? Um, I really, looking back, I was still scared of gluten for a couple months like I had the intention of letting myself eat anything, but I still couldn't. So I would eat a lot of potatoes and a lot of, like I was still eating paleo-ish foods. I think I was like, I'm going to let myself eat yogurt because I like yogurt. <laughs> um, so it was like a slow adding in of things. And I was really trying to up my carbs because I was reading a lot of Matt Stone at the time. Um, and he helped me so much. Oh, truly. me too. So much. Um, it just gave me the permission to kind of eat a lot, you know, and, mm -hmm. and to, and to kind of, you know, trust that, that that was 
the way to the best health. So the thing is that I actually, um, part of this decision too was like, well, this is, it was still a health decision. You know, it was still like a, this might be the best thing that I could possibly do for my health and my hormones, which had always been something that I was trying to heal through these other diets. Um, and I started to kind of believe that there had to be another way. But at the same time, I was like, well, this is probably my best bet if I want to be healthy and I want to be normal with food. This is the way. Eating has got to be the way um, and not being afraid of weight. But I also decided that I was going to let go of my healthy goal because I knew that that was also part of my misery. So it was two things that were sort of opposing that were happening at the same time. I was like, I think the the best bet for my health is to really eat a lot of food and repair my metabolism and see what happens. Um, but at the same time, I am actively giving up my goal of perfect health because it might not exist for me. And I really cannot live one more day being obsessed with whether there's canola oil or not in my food. And so both of those things happened at the same time, but I was still really afraid of food and I still was very slowly adding things in. I ate a lot of granola, like gluten-free granola and cream. That was like my desserty thing. I started eating ice cream. Um, I was eating a lot of potatoes and eggs and a lot of fruit because I was sort of like reading Ray Pete at the time. Oh too. my gosh, we are so alike. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like you're telling my story and really? so it's like so weird because, oh my gosh, I did the same thing. I was like, when I moved out to, Col I don't want to interrupt you, but I just have to say it. When I moved out to Colorado and I found Mount Stone, I like started with potatoes and then I started with ice cream and then I found mm -hmm. Ray Pete. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll become obsessed with Ray Pete. So then I kind of backtracked a little bit mm -hmm. and I was like eating all of this fruit, tons of fruit. And like, I was like having Instagram chats with people, um, uh, in like people who do Ray Pete and like asking mm -hmm. questions. And this guy, I remember this guy was like, I eat milk and some fish and some more milk and some more uh, bananas. And then I'm done for the day. And I like calculated it and I was like, oh my gosh, like how can that be healthy in the world? No. I don't understand, but I tried to do it. Um, cause I was like, okay, maybe I can do this refeeding thing where I eat a whole bunch of carbs, but I still yeah. have it in this nice little neat label, uh, yeah. called like repeatitarian or whatever mm -hmm. they, they label it as. And, um, <laughs> I stopped doing that quickly. I, I realized, okay, this is a tiny little, I called it a relapse. I was like, this is a small relapse, but it lasted mm. like a couple weeks. I just remember going to the grocery store and buying ice cream and milk, which I never, ever, ever have milk. Right, But exactly. I was like, it's part of the diet, so I can have milk now, yay, even though I knew I didn't really want it, because milk to right. me is like, I just don't, I just don't like it. And then buying yeah, like tons of bananas and orange juice, because that's also one of his things. And also, I don't, I don't like orange juice, like I really don't. Um, and so right. that was like me trying to convince myself that, you know, it's a good thing that I can now have orange juice, even though intuitively I don't like it. Right. So that was a mess. And I remember touching base with that guy later on and he was like, oh no, I stopped doing that. Like <laughs> months later, I was like, hey, are you still doing that? Just, and he's like, no, 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 no. I was starving. And I was like, I knew it. But oh, anyways, keep, keep going, keep going with what, where you were headed. No, I mean, that's, I really, I experienced something similar. I, I, I never went nuts over Ray Pete. I did, it was kind of like in the back of my mind, it was like sort of a guiding part of the beginning of my recovery. But, and, and I know that he can be 
really like against a lot of foods, but it really helped my fear of fruit and sugar Mm -hmm. and dairy and which is what I needed after paleo. And I sort of knew, and then, you know, and then reading Matt Stone enough, you know, I was definitely on board with carbs and I was just scared of gluten because I just decided that I must be gluten sensitive because that was the cause of every illness in the entire world. So that's the thing that took time for me is the bread thing, but I had every intention of adding stuff back in. So the repeat thing for me, you know, I'm definitely, I don't talk about repeat anymore because it can definitely be triggering to people, but it really was a big part of my evolution um, and starting to really freely let myself eat carbs and sugar. So that was really important. That was really important to be like, there is somebody out there who believes that sugar is healthy. Right. And so, so I just kind of needed like all of the proof that I could get. Like I was gathering, um, like arguments for f- different foods, you know, and, and Ray Pete really helped me on the sugar end. I will say uh, he, he did the same for me as well in certain aspects. And I remember uh, I told Matt that I was looking into that and he directed me to another girl. I don't know if maybe he directed her to you too, since we're so alike, but uh, he directed me to this girl. Her name's Genevieve. And hmm. she was also kind of following Ray Pete. So it, I reached out to her and, and she talked to me and, and like, she had told me that she was eating like 500 grams of carbs in a day mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And she was like this small chick that had, right. you know, the, the aesthetic looks everyone wants. Um, and not that that really, I think for where I was, I needed to see that. I was oh, like, wow, yeah. girl looks just- like that. And she's eating 500 grams of carbs. She's following this Ray Pete thing. So I will say that there were certain aspects of Ray Pete that I was like, oh, I can't do this. But it did help me a lot with the sugar thing and like totally. meeting that girl and reaching out to other people that kind of, one guy told me that I told him what supplements I was having and he follows Ray Pete. And he was like, you need to get off this supplement and this supplement and, and your, you know, your birth control. And so that contributed to me taking myself off of, I was taking, um, five, five HTP in oh, the morning every yeah. day. Like my mom had been told by a friend that it's a great supplement. And I took that every day for years. Oh wow! Turns out like that's really, that's when you find that in the sleep department. So it's, right. a, it's a downer. And I was told it's really? an upper wow. and it increases your Yeah, I was your told happiness. that too. Yeah, it doesn't. It brings you down. So I was realizing that that was also contributing to like me feeling lethargic and like yeah. not excited. So I got off that and it was a huge life changer. So I just want to add that also that did play a good role as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard because I really am you know, I, I strongly believe that listening to yourself is so important with eating um, and health stuff. But we do get little nuggets of information and inspiration and freedom from other people, even if we don't, you know, need or even if it's not smart to take everything they say. Like, I, you know, really have been helped by some different philosophies that I've heard about, even though I don't follow any of them you know, to a T at all. Um, so yeah, I, so Ray Pete, Ray Pete was definitely a part of my journey and it really helped to not be scared of sugar anymore. But for a couple months, I was eating a lot of fruit 
starting to drink milk, which I was always like told I was lactose intolerant and I really am not. Um, I'm drinking raw milk too was like an interesting and I hated it too. I really did. I was like, this is good for me. <laughs> um, and I was doing it, but I started eating way more cheese and fruit and, um, and then, you know, I think then I became aware that like, I still needed to push myself further with adding in more foods. And I remember the day that I was out to dinner with my mom and dad. Um, it was May. So it was, uh, uh, February, March, April, May. It was four months after my, you know, epiphany that I needed to eat normally. Uh, and I still hadn't had bread or gluten. So I remember the moment when I was like, I'm going to eat this piece of bread with butter. And they have no idea how scared I am right now. <laughs> but, and I was sort of like, I had told my mom about what I was doing and and that I was quitting theater and that I needed to learn to eat normally and that I really had an eating disorder. And she didn't believe me that I had an eating disorder. She's like, no, you don't. You're like many other mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And I was and I was like, well, many other people then also are disordered because it's all I think about. And and I think even to this day, she's like, ah, I don't know if you had an eating disorder. And it's like, okay, fine. But you know, she she can understand the orthorexic thing. Like she saw me wig out over small things that like even she was able to ignore. And like she said to me a couple of weeks ago, she's like, I remember when you were eating guacamole and dad tried to put his chip in your guacamole and you freaked out over the canola oil that was on his chip that was getting into your guacamole. And she's like, that was crazy. <laughs> that was orthorexic. That was orthorexic. Um, but I, you know, I did what I could to explain myself to her about food, about how I had a problem and I needed to learn to eat normally and I needed to gain weight. And I was like, I'm going to gain weight. I'm gaining weight. Um, it has to be okay. And I really don't want to hear what you have to say about it. And, you know, it's been, and, and you know, she stopped talking about weight, about my weight. She still talks about her weight. But, um so that was good, but I still had a lot of trauma going home over, I mean, I, I always felt this way. I like going home for Christmas um, or Thanksgiving. I just, I was petrified of like what <laughs> they were going to think or say about my weight because they did say things and they did like for a while they would say like, Oh, Caroline's hungry again. <laughs> Or like Caroline's talking about food again, and uh, it was horrible. It was really, and I was, I like wasn't over it enough to be able to just ignore them. Like it really hurt, and I was like, "You guys are just making this so hard." But um, you know, the more I thank God I didn't live at home, and I really did push through. And I, it's been in phases, you know. Like I mean, it's been. I feel like it's been like new levels. Um, because I've noticed occasionally when I'm like getting into like a healthier like mode and it's ever so slightly restrictive and then, um, and then I like notice it and then I drop it and I go even further. Um, but I would say now I am like completely, completely intuitive and normal about food and I really, really, um, I don't have any disordered thoughts about food anymore and I don't have any fears about food. However, last year, 
January 1st, I was like, I am so healed that I'm going to cut out gluten and see if it heals me of all of my like remaining hormonal problems. And I was like, and I'm so normal about food that I'll do it sanely. Like I won't be obsessed about it. I'll just like try to sort of cut out gluten. And within like a half a day, I was miserable and obsessed and thinking about food in a way that I hadn't for, you know, three years and, um, and like craving foods that I don't even want, you know, that I hadn't even liked, but they, it was just because like I wasn't allowed to have them. So like really quickly, it was amazing how fast it all flooded back. And I was like, okay, okay. All right. Nope. All done. I cannot do this. Yeah. I cannot do this. Um, and I really, I mean, the way that I like to tell people to think about nutrition is about adding and not taking anything out. Like if you're worried that you're not getting adequate nutrition, which you probably are, but if you're worried about that, just add in more things, add in more good things. Don't, as soon as you are making yourself take things out, it's a slippery, slippery slope. Um, and yeah, that's, I think, I think it's an essential way of looking at feeding yourself. If, if anyone has like the lingering fear that they're not eating enough nutrition, just eat more mm -hmm. of stuff that you intuitively think might be good for you. I like that. What's your relationship like with movement and quote exercise? Mm. Um, now I truly, um, I, I'm super, super casual with exercise. I live in New York, so I inherently, you know, have to walk places. So I'm definitely walking every day. Um, I used to have a way more active schedule outside of my apartment when I had other jobs and other projects. And this fall I have not. And so I do so much, like I haven't had the built-in exercise that I normally have. So I have to force myself to not because I'm trying to make myself do exercise, but because I truly get antsy for it. It's this like, it's this pull between like wanting to finish work or wanting to finish writing this thing that I'm writing and being like, my legs hurt. <laughs> I need to go move them. And it's become like, it's kind of great because I really am able to follow my body's impulse to just go for like a 20 minute walk. So I'm really super casual with exercise. I honestly crave it and I don't do it as much as I would like to. So I think I've gotten to this place and, and I occasionally like less than once a week I do yoga, but I do super, it's like I purposely go to like gentle yoga because I, first of all, I don't do it that much. And second of all, it's like my way of being like, I'm not here to force myself to exercise or lose weight or become fit. I'm here to like be in my body and move and stretch. Um, so I really don't formally exercise I go through times when I like have to walk more and sometimes I crave like an hour walk, but for the most part, it's just like in my, in my daily schedule. And the funniest part is, I mean, I absolutely do not like to focus on weight or weight loss or what my weight has done, even though, you know, my readers really want to know. Um, but I have never been thinner really than this past year um, when I really was not doing any formal exercise at all. And it's just really 
liberating to realize that exercise really is not <laughs> as, as related to weight at this point that my body is kind of stabilized as I always thought it was. And mm-hmm. it was this like guilt inducing thing all the time if I wasn't doing enough. And I, you know, I exercise was never my like control of choice. It was like the extra one that I would sometimes get obsessed with. But I definitely had a lot of I had a lot of guilt about sitting. Like I didn't believe that I could just I, I remember like in college, I I couldn't let myself sit in a park. I was like, I should be moving. Like I don't deserve to sit. Are you kidding me? Um and I think paleo is actually, again, like taking the good from it. Right. Their kind of their kind of view of like, don't force yourself to do cardio. Like, that's not good for you. Was, and and I I kind of argue. I'm sure cardio is good for you when it feels right. And it's like I, I really believe in intuitive movement and intuitive exercise. But it was a nice shift of like, oh, like rest is actually healing and, you know, less, you know, less is more sort of. So I really, honestly, my relationship to exercise is that I kind of want to do do it more because I want, especially right now, um, working from home and being in my apartment and writing all the time and kind of needing to create my own schedule, I crave it more because it's, it has actually become me time and like a refresh time and really just walking. Like I just walk and sometimes do yoga. So, but sometimes I look at people who are really strong and I'm like, man, I would love to be really strong. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Some, I went to a dance class too, um, which was super scary because I was a dancer not like an amazing dancer, but I, I was a musical theater performer. So dance was like a part of my uh, co- college uh, major. And it's super triggering, you know, and I have really big boobs that I really associate with weight because like it's the first place that I gain and lose weight. And it's like not a dancer body. Um, and I super triggered by being in a dance class and being around dancers. Uh, but I went to this, and I really want to go back, but I went to this, I went to Alvin Ailey, which is this like modern dance um, uh, theater and school in New York. And I took a modern Horton class and it was like the most fun. And it, there's a drummer, like it's, you're just doing dancing and like exercises to um, drums. Oh, and that it was sounds fun. So, oh my God, it's amazing. I really highly recommend it to anyone to take like a beginner Horton class if you can find it anywhere because it felt so good. I just felt alive and I was like, I'm not doing this for anything that I used to do yeah. it for. Like, it's so great. Um, yeah, so I actually would like to do that more. So we're coming up on the hour, but I have one more question uh, before I let you go that I really want to ask you and it's like about, you know, your body because you are, as you said, thinner than you've been. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you ever get people that are like, that will comment on your blog or reach out to you and be like, well, you don't know what it's like. like oh, yeah. You can be intuitive eating all the time, but you're thin. Like, it's not totally. fair. How do you feel about that? Like, wh- what comes to it's mind? It's so hard. It's really, really hard. I-, I have a couple reactions to it. One is, um, I have a lot of people who say like, are you secretly happy that you're thin? And it's a good question. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing question. And the answer is there there are two sides to the answer. One is yes because it proves something that I 
intuitively felt all along that controlling what I ate was not the best way to um, relate to weight. That my body and our bodies really are smarter than we think they are and that we really can trust them to stabilize and that I've done that and that it's happened, you know? So there's a part of me that's like, well, it's just sort of proves that like my body's on an equilibrium and it just so happens to be on the lower end genetically, you know, completely genetically. I've always been, I've always yo-yoed within and many of us have yo-yoed within 20, 25 pounds, you know, like it, we do have these kind of places where our body wants to be and then we kind of stress them out and it goes all over the place. But um, I think it proves that bodies are smarter than us. Um, and I also believe that it allows me for better or for worse to reach some people who would not be willing to listen to me if they, um, it's kind of like, like phase one of them being like, all right, well, I'll try this body love thing and I'll try this intuitive eating and you know, this recovery thing, because I hope that I don't gain weight, which is actually treacherous, because that's not the way to do it. But it do, it does like, people will listen to me, at least in the beginning until they hear me a million times say like, no, 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 you really, really have to let yourself gain mm -hmm. weight. It's yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, some people will listen to me who wouldn't listen to something someone bigger. Um, and that's, totally messed up you know it really speaks to our cultural bias but I do think that it can be a help um, to reach some people who need to hear at least part of the message on the other side I actually kind of get bummed out that I I did all of this work to um, to accept my body at a bigger size I bought all new clothes I was you know I was a size or two or three above what I am right now while I was recovering. And it was all about, I had so much fear and I had so much body dysmorphia and I, I really was actively pushing through and I was committing to accepting myself every day and I was freaking out over clothes every day and then calming myself down and looking at body positive blogs and um, models and I was like very very actively like this is me like this is me now I am a curvy woman who is not a little stick and I am worthy and I am allowed to speak up and I am allowed to write and I'm allowed to do like I did so much work on that end that it's and, and I felt really powerful in it. Like it really was this amazing shift and it really was such a big part of my journey and it's so essential. Um, and, and the fact that I can't necessarily walk that talk anymore is like sort of a bummer in a way. It's like through becoming more normal with food, my body was like, okay, well we can calm down now. And um, I lost some weight slowly but surely. Um, I was able, I like got rid of all of my bigger clothes and like have smaller clothes now. But the funny thing is, and I just want to say this too, because um, this past year I was very tiny and I didn't even realize it because it wasn't what I was focusing on. Um, but and I always go by my bras because I really like that is where my weight is very reflected. And I like bought all these smaller bras. And I'm like, this is so crazy. Um, 
And it was what I had always wanted too. So it was this like weird, like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Um, but I was also super heartbroken this past year. Like I had this huge emotional, you know, turmoil that I was like working through actively. And, um, I didn't put it together until way more recently that I lost that weight because I was sad (laughs) and it had nothing to do with my eating. I didn't change anything. I mean, it's possible that I was had lost. I think I did lose my appetite for like just a little bit, but it wasn't something that like I noticed or like kept up or anything. But I was really sad the whole like for months and months and months. And I was really tiny too. And it's just so interesting to realize. I think it was connected. And um, and this summer, so you know, a couple months ago, I started to feel better. And at the same time, so, you know, it's hard to say what exactly is causing what, but at the same time, I decided to cut way down on and then cut out regular coffee. I drink decaf now. And it was like a, it was, it's, I I hope that coffee drinkers don't freak out because I drank coffee for, you know, years and years. And it was like definitely a part of my life during my recovery. And I don't think it's a horrible thing, but I I was getting too sensitive to caffeine and feeling not so great. So I cut it um, down and then I cut it out and I gained weight. Um, Right around the time when I was just drinking decaf, feeling really tired. I mean, I felt terrible actually for a couple months. I was exhausted. I was like unmotivated. I was, um, I didn't have that, that those like power hours in the morning. I just was like always tired. And, um, and I started working from, so I gained, I gained like a little bit of weight. I still fit into my clothes, but I do not fit into the same bras. And, um, I, would have been so freaked out a couple of years before, like, what am I doing wrong? What's happening? You know, everything's like, I'm losing control. Um, but I knew, well, because of the work that I do, I was like, well, this is great. Like, this is, this is like an, a new opportunity to like accept this and like remind myself of what I'm doing here. And also it was because I very strongly believe that I cut out this drug and that was making me manic. And I got over a heartbreak that I now realize was part of the reason why I was so tiny this past year. So it's really this kind of amazing um, sign of health and emotional health and physical health, which is so cool because that's the opposite of how I looked at weight for years and years and years and years. And just to see that like gaining weight something, And I wasn't like, you know, I, I was not underweight at all. I was just like a tiny version of myself who ate a lot of food um, and didn't make myself exercise. And it alone kind of like wasn't my healthiest state. And I just think that that's so cool, actually. And like with the coffee thing, because I think that's I think that's so cool that you did that and that you were able to use it as, a, as an opportunity. I love those moments where you're like, ah, I could panic, but I'm not going to because this is actually awesome. This yeah. Is a great, like out of those moments normally is when I have inspiration for a podcast or for a video or a blog post. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's what I love. And then I go create something and it just like totally fuels my fire. And then I read people's comments that loved it. And I'm like, yes, I love when stuff happens to me and my body because I get to like talk about it and use yeah. it as a and tool. It, it, 
People want to hear it. They want to hear about the real stuff that's going on. And it is a gift. It's a gift to be like, this is what's happening with me right now. And I'm going to write about it. And I'm going to tell you. And I'm not going to hide it. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm this perfect, like, infallible robot woman. Like, things are happening to me. And I'm realizing things. And I'm sharing them. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, totally. So before we go, can you tell my audience about your, you have a free 10-day course going on. And tell us us about it and also when the cutoff date to, to get that course is. Yes. So right now, I don't know. I I have a feeling that when I close the doors to my actual paid program, I might also um, change the course that's currently available that's free. So it's a free 10-day mini course, and it kind of goes through all of the aspects of what I think is important for recovery. So it talks about food, and it talks about exercise, and it talks about um, our emotional relationship to weight, and there are exercises every day, and there's a Facebook group, um, and it's super awesome, and I love it, and I love talking to the women in there, and it talks about vulnerability, and it talks about passion and purpose, and it just kind of, I thought I was going to do a three-day course, so I was like, that makes sense, like, to have as, like, a free little intro, and I just couldn't stop writing it. I was like, well, I haven't, I haven't explained everything. Like I need to keep going. So that's why it's 10 days, which is, you know, um, so I sometimes wonder if it should be shorter, but it excites me that people engage with it and seem to get a lot out of it. So you can find that all over my site, um, which she will link to that. I'm not going to say the effort diet. (laughs) And, um, it, um, it's super fun. So if you want to hear more about how I go about this recovery thing and this normal eating thing, um, there's a free 10-day course. And then December 28th, so it's a kind of a little taster for my six-month program, which is super long, but I really feel like it's helpful to have that time to kind of dig in to doing this work because it does take time. Um, And I'm closing the doors to that program on December 28th, and we start January 1st. So that's our way of not having any um, punishing weight-related New Year's resolutions. Yeah, that's so smart. Keeps you accountable for not being held accountable for weight goals. It's all about (laughs) learning to like inner journey. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, check that out. It's a lot of fun. It's free. And, uh, and I'd love to know how people think about it. I guess I don't know when this podcast will be out though. This is coming out, uh, this, what is today? Today The third? Yeah. So it'll be, it's on the following, the upcoming Wednesday. Sorry. Oh, sweet. So there'll definitely be time. Um, definitely be time to do the 10 day course before, um, before I enroll for the, you know, you could still enroll for the paid course too. And also I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with the 10 day course after I close it all down. Um, I might make the 10 day course a paid course as well. That's just more affordable. So if you want to get it free, do it now. Heck yeah. Okay. So the link to that, everybody is going to be on the show notes for this. And if you want to check it out, go to maddiemoon.com slash MBM 78. Cause you know, episode 78 yeah Um, and last but not least we have a quick fire round Ooh, yeah yeah okay uh number one what does body freedom mean to you it means not 
waking up and wondering whether I have gained or lost weight. <laughs> That's like the best answer. So many love answer that. I love that answer. Um, what is a book that you really love or just a book that you're reading and can share with us? Does it have to be about um, anything? Stuff? Um, I'm obsessed with Harry Potter. I oh, love it. I yes. love it. <laughs> do you still read them? Like, do you go back and read them again? No, because I'm trying to forget some details so I can read it in a couple years and like relearn some things, which I don't know mm. if, if that's actually going to work. But I'm actively not reading them right now. I I would like to read those again. I really would. Because I've only read them once and there's a lot of things I don't remember and I want to go back. Um, if you like that, have you ever read The Red Queen? Right. No, I, I haven't. I bet you should you you should look into that. It's okay. It's my favorite book now. It, it beat I'm Harry amazing. Potter. Oh whoa! Yeah, okay. I know. I'll totally check it out. Almost blasphemy. So cool. Yeah, uh, I know, but I'm but I'm down with that. I don't need to get religious about Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Who cool. is um? Who's your biggest inspiration, dead or alive? Oh wow, um, that's such a good question that I never think about. Um. I honestly think that it might be Tina Fey or even Lena Dunham for being mm-hmm. so out there. Like I you love her or hate her, but she is sort of proof that you just need to do your thing mm-hmm. and not care about whether people will tell you it's a good idea or not. She's such a great role model to me. Like to everyone, yeah. I think everyone should love her, but yeah. to me especially <laughs> like she just makes gives me an empowering feeling that most actresses do not give me. So yeah. for that, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to her. Yeah, me too. What is uh, a good quote that you love you can share with us? Mm. Um, oh, man, I don't know if I have one. I mean... That's okay if you it, don't. I'm it's on, bad that I'm, I'm going to like a Harry Potter quote because oh, I think there's good. a lot of quotes that I... <laughs> do it yeah um it's the it's in the last book when um harry dies essentially and then has a choice whether to come back or not and he's like is this and he's talking to dumbledore and he's like is this just happening in my head and he's like of course it's happening in your head but why should that mean that it isn't real mm-hmm. i love and that it's, quote i love it i love it and it kind of applies to lots of different things but um also that like the way we think about things like actually affects our lives and it's it's all real mm-hmm. yeah what is a future dream that you're working towards for yourself your business anything mm. um i want to force myself to write the official fuck it diet book because i have two books but they're sort of just like little slices of my bigger picture and i really want to um, finish the book because it's already partially written. Oh, very nice. What is your favorite way to de-stress at the end of a long day? Hmm. Um, I, well, I do this thing now where I lie down for 10 minutes a day when I remember, which I try to do it every day. And it's like part meditation, part rest. It's really like kind of supposed to be a meditation where I don't force myself to do anything. It's kind of just like a a little, um, a reset, I would say. And I call it my lie down, like I'm an old woman. Um, (laughs) And it's really effective because I'm just supposed to have no distractions. And I just, I either let my mind kind of wander and 
you know, filter through some things and I normally have some realizations or, um, I like focus on breathing if I'm feeling inspired to and like grounding and focusing on my energy. It's just really simple because there's really not much to it and it doesn't take much time and it really does feel awesome. Oh, that's so cool. I love doing that. So Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was such an awesome episode and I can't wait to listen to it again. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me. This is, was long overdue and I'm really glad that we finally got to connect and talk. Absolutely. And I, I have a feeling we're going to have to do another one just because the, we, we didn't even get to any of the questions that we had originally talked about. Like, let's talk I about just this noticed this. that. We totally should do another one. That'd yeah. Be I know. We had we had like all these plans. We never even got there. I know. I have this list of like stuff. I was like, ask her about this. And then, no, I, I just didn't even pay attention to this list. I was like just wanting to talk about other stuff. But anyways, awesome, awesome, awesome. Anyone that's listening to this and wants to check out her, uh, her free 10-day course, make sure you head on over to maddiemoon.com slash mbm78 and you can also see the show notes for this. Um, yeah, and while you're there, you can download 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession, my free book on my site. And I'll see you guys next week.